Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone and welcome to Why Not Mint Money. I am Shipra from Mint's personal finance team. Today's podcast is for safety-seeking investors as we tell them why rising interest rates is not a good enough reason to invest in FTs. The Reserve Bank of India has raised the repo rate by 1.4 percentage points, which has in turn forced banks and other financial institutions to hike rates on their fixed deposits. So currently, the rates of 3-year and 5-year tenure FTs offered by major banks like ICICI, HDFC and SBI are offering interest rate in the range of 5.5 to 6.1%. This was about 5 to 5.3% before the rate hikes, which was about 6 months ago. Now that's about major banks. Rates offered by small banks and NBFCs are higher at 6.65 to 7.95%. And of course, senior citizens get an even sweeter deal in the form of additional 0.25 to 0.5% interest. So while the rising rates have brought some cheer to those investing in FTs, the current high inflation is a dampener. The question then to ask is that have FTs really become attractive? To answer this and also to advise you on other fixed income alternatives Prableen Bachpai who's the founder of Finfix and Analytics Private Limited has joined us today Hi welcome to Why Not Mint Money a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started on your money journey Hi Prableen welcome to Why Not Mint Money Thanks, Shipra. So, Prableen, there's noise about FTs becoming attractive again as the rates have moved up about 100-120 BPS. But you know, with the inflation hovering at 6.5 to 7 percent, in fact, the six-month average inflation right now stands at 6.9 percent. And of course, there's taxation rules on FTs. So, have FTs really become attractive right now? Uh, so okay that's a very interesting question and i think i'll answer it in two parts because there are two ways of looking at it uh let's just look at the nominal returns so nominal returns is the amount of money which is uh, generated on any investment before we factor in for taxes or any sort of a fee and inflation so when you say that let's say fd todays are giving us now uh, 6% that is the nominal return that particular investment product is going to give us and sadly ashipra uh, what happens is that i think majority of us uh, when we put our money in such products we are actually just looking at the nominal returns we are not really looking at the real returns because real returns is what you are earning after accounting for taxation and inflation and if somebody is looking at the real returns for them any uh, sort of a bank cavity will not be lucrative at all having said that uh, fds are still a preferred option uh, amongst investors because i think they have that sort of a uh, familiarity bias towards these products because that is something that they understand it has traditionally been done it's convenient and uh, there is a sense of you know your capital being preserved now in real terms your capital is not being preserved because there is depletion in your purchasing power but uh, in nominal terms you feel that yes you are preserving capital and you are even earning something on them so uh, i'll just explain this with the help of an example 
for somebody who's actually earning 6% of uh, on an fd and is in the 30% slab so your returns actually become 4.2% so which is way below uh, the inflation in the economy so instead of earning money on these products uh, there is actually depletion so yes on the face of it uh, fds have become slightly more attractive and uh, but if you you know look at beyond the point in terms of uh, the real returns then of course they happened that's right in fact to add to your example that even at 4.2% if the inflation average right now is 6.9% then you're actually losing money because your uh, like you said that your net returns go negative absolutely also uh, you know even if we have to look at the high rates on fds right now which is about 7.5 to 7.9% those are not being offered by banks those are being offered by nbfcs and small finance banks mm-hmm. so is it a good option to go for a corporate fd just to lock high rates uh so corporate fds uh, shikha again i think we need to understand two things here one that uh, uh, you know how many corporate fds would one invest into let's say two or three at maximum and even if you're doing that you still have a decent enough concentration risk there because you are undertaking that sort of a risk where you're trusting the provider uh with repaying your money on time so there is a risk of delay and also repaying it you know um, uh, later on maturity so the risk of default is also there so number one that the credibility of the entities here becomes very very important and i think you must have observed yourself and uh, we have so many of these uh, advertisements in the newspapers also uh, which show that you know this particular company or um, nbfc is offering uh, you know 7 8 9 even there was a 12% return a couple of days back and when you see such uh, numbers i think we need to understand why would an entity offer us a higher return uh, than any uh, one else in the uh, you know general marketplace much more than banks and the bigger corporates and i think that is where you need to understand that there will be a risk of default so there is credit risk which is uh, embedded uh, uh, you know in these products so i think uh, one shouldn't just go by what they are offering on face value I think the credibility of the company has become very important. A bigger name, let's say like HDFC or Bajaj Finance, one still has there is okay enough reason that you know with credible names one can go and venture into corporate FDs. But I think one needs to be very careful with the company that you're investing. Second thing here, Shubhra, that even corporate FDs ultimately are taxed at a slab. So if you are in the thirty percent slab. and uh, you're looking to invest in let's say something which is giving you 7.5% today even that would eventually give you net returns of 5 five and a half 5.25% actually and uh, such corporate fds usually come with a lock in let's say of if you're doing it for a year the interest rates offered would be less if you're doing it for 5 years the interest rates offered would be higher because you know there is a lock in which is there and uh, what if the interest rates go up during that lock in period you are still stuck with the lower interest rate so i think these are some of the factors which they need to remember investors must um, remember while investing so there there can be illiquidity as well if you are sort of locking in your money with a 3 year fd and because there is uh, taxation at slab net net 
there is a slightly more ben- uh, beneficial you know as com- in terms of returns as compared to bank fds but that little benefit also is coming with a higher risk so i would say if somebody is looking to invest in them then it has to be with a very very credible name that's right so let's uh, you know uh, let's compare fds with other uh, fixed income and debt products so there's nsc and rbi bonds uh, which are taxed same as fds but their interest rate is slightly uh, higher than what banks are offering right now and the former right. also offer sovereign guarantee so does that make them better than fds um so okay let's just pick these two one by one let's take uh, the national savings certificate uh it is currently giving about 6.8 uh, percent um, of course it's compounded annually and the whole money is paid at maturity only at after 5 years so uh, shipra this would be a good product for somebody who's actually looking to invest in a government scheme is looking for the sovereign guarantee and uh, is okay with uh, locking in the money and not using it uh, you know during this time period because there is no accessibility to the money during this time period uh so from that perspective yes it can be a decent product if somebody is happy with 6.8 sort of about it returns but yes the money uh, the interest earned will be taxed uh, at maturity so it is taxable so it's a decent product but one needs to know the pros and cons then let's come to the rbi floating rate bonds uh they have a lock in of 7 years and they are offering 0.35% over and above whatever nsc offers so if nsc is at 6.8 then these rbi bonds are offering 7.15 and i think these are also good products because they give you a payout so they are more suitable for somebody who's looking at a payout on a regular basis they pay you twice a year so there is some sort of income you know generation from rbi bonds but again it is taxable at slab so it won't be very lucrative for somebody who's in the higher tax slab again uh, i think it can be part of the uh, allocation for retirees for sure rbi bonds i think make a uh, it's a good product for uh, retirees but i think for people who are earning and are in higher income slab uh, not really otherwise these two are good products but i think the purpose for which you are investing has to be clear so it is not really a substitute uh, i would say to fds uh, these have a slightly different purpose that's right uh, because of course i mean fds let you uh, you know they offer liquidity i mean you can break an fd whenever you want yes yeah yes so from a from a purely taxation perspective which fixed income options would you suggest are better than fds so if you're looking at taxation i think the only uh, segment uh, is the debt mutual funds and there are three four uh, you know points where they score over fd shipra number one being that any fd whether you are taking out the interest on a regular basis or it is getting reinvested uh, it is taxed on accrual basis and uh, in your itr you need to file whatever return has been earned uh, whether you've taken it out or not uh, under the head of income from other sources so uh, fds uh, whether the money is being used the interest income is being used or not you still need to pay taxes but in uh, debt mutual funds uh, till the time you don't redeem that product uh, there is no taxation so there is a deferred sort of a tax treatment 
which is available under debt mutual funds second that uh, if there is a profit or loss uh, in a uh, uh, debt uh, mutual fund you know it can be set off against your losses and gains in equities so let's say um, i uh, invested some money in a debt fund and i took out the money within 2 years and because it, so till 3 years uh, whatever income you earn on debt mutual funds it is taxed at slab and post 3 years one can avail indexation so let's say i take out that uh, profit of 20000 rupees uh, because i redeemed my fund but let's say i had a loss in my equity uh, fund and there there was a loss of about 15000 rupees so then that can be set off and my net gain in the uh, in the debt fund would only be 5000 rupees and i would pay a tax on that so i think that's a very big benefit which uh, debt mutual funds offer thirdly that uh, debt mutual funds because we can use the mechanism of a systematic withdrawal from them wherein we can take out money which is predecided which can be a certain percentage whatever you want to take out on a monthly basis or let's say a certain amount um, let's take it as 20000 a month somebody is looking to withdraw 20000 per month so when we are doing a swp uh, it is not purely your interest which is coming out it is a mix of the principal and interest and in such a case shipra only the appreciation amount is getting taxed so your tax liability further goes down and then of course there is the benefit of indexation which offers a you know sort of an alignment with the increase in prices so there is a recalculation of the purchase price which is done in indexation and i'll explain it with an example so let's assume that the fund return has been 6% and your inflation has been 4% so you will only be taxed for the remaining 2% and even if you are in the 30% slab you pay at 20% so 22% earned with a uh, 20% tax is only 0.4% taxation so overall your net gain will be 5.6% because on the 6% that you had earned on the product you are paying 0.4% four percent uh, sorry 5.4% uh, mm, tax so your net gain is 5.6% as compared to 4.2% in case of an fd so these are the broader uh, benefits in terms of taxation which debt mutual funds i think offer over and above uh, fixed income products such as fds and i think debt mutual funds are a very underutilized category uh, in the whole mutual fund uh, you know space that's right that that was a very interesting example in fact i want to add something to it that uh, i did some data crunching for a story where i found out that you know in the past when debt mfs delivered higher return inflation was also high and so was the cost inflation index which we used to uh, right you know calculate the purchase price as per yeah and the vice versa was also true so what happened was that in worst case scenarios taxpayers effectively paid about 11 ta- 11% tax on debt mfs which is actually 20% and in best case scenarios they they didn't pay any tax during indexation Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is that is a possibility as well, uh, depending on how inflation has been and how the funds perform. So you're actually paying only if you're really making money. So I think which is quite comforting, Shipra, as an investor. Yes, totally agree. 
Okay, so that's about taxation. Now, holistically, which debt products do you suggest that low-risk investors can look at right now? So, because we're talking about uh, low-risk, I think two need uh, two things which uh, need to be checked by investors is uh, with debt funds. You have to look at the credit. uh risk which is there in the funds so you have to ensure that whichever product you are investing within the debt basket uh the papers are triple a rated uh double a plus higher rated uh papers are there so that uh, there is no or very little risk of default and now shipra there are also a lot of target maturity funds and other funds like in the banking and psu segment where uh, you are actually investing in government securities and sdls which are the state development loans so there are or uh, you know papers issued by public sector enterprises so within debt basket now there are a lot of funds which are actually having no or very very little credit risk and i think that is one segment to go to and the other thing which needs to be checked is the duration risk you know total when a person is looking to invest in a debt fund i think they need to be sure that whatever is their own investment horizon that needs to be aligned with the you know maturity of the debt product so if i want to park my money for let's say a year then i will look for a debt product which has papers which would be maturing in the time space of let's say 8 months to 1 year so that uh, there is no interest rate risk uh, which is really present in that particular product and um, people who are looking to invest for longer durations let's say 5 years they can put their money aside i think uh, currently target maturity funds are offering a good 7% plus sort of a yield which is the yield to maturity and uh, you know minus the expenses and expenses in these funds are very little they are like point 10% or 0.15 and uh, so you know they can make that 7% return but they need to understand that there will be intermittent volatility so i think understanding of the how debt funds actually work uh, is very crucial before investing shipa but if somebody uh, is new to it then uh, the simplest thing they can do is to look at the maturity of the product and then just align their own investment horizon uh, you know and pick the right fund for themselves that's right uh, okay so that brings us to the end of uh, today's uh, podcast thanks a lot prableen for this insightful decision, uh, discussion i'm sure today's episode will help uh, safety seeking investors to make the right investment decisions for their portfolios thank you thanks so much shipra my pleasure That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic or make a suggestion of a personal finance topic that you would like us to cover, I can be reached at Twitter under the username of Shipra Singh Sorot and on LinkedIn at Shipra Singh. Thank you for tuning in. See you in the next episode. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.